Awesome, awesome. Well, this morning, we're going to jump right into our series. We're on the fourth part of our In Christ series. And uh, if you have missed some of the other pieces, you can get them online. You can podcast them. And uh, But we have been, this week, so it should be no surprise, that we are looking at freedom in Christ. And uh, we're just going to go ahead and jump right into our notes. Understanding, and we've, I've had us go over this piece every week, and if nothing else, if you don't come away with much more, you need to make sure you have got this. That understanding our position in Christ, it completely determines how we interact with God. It just does. If you don't understand who you are in Christ, it's going to totally mess up, and you're going to approach God from the completely wrong way. Because we're either in Christ or we're out of Christ. Out of Christ is one total paradigm. In Christ is a totally different paradigm. We're in a totally different thing. Different things apply to the different different groups. And when we have received Christ, we step into, we are clothed with Christ. And when when we understand this, that when we are in Christ, that we have the freedom in Christ to approach God with confidence. Now, see, this is so, so vital. And we have to understand this because every one of every other freedom we have in Christ hinges on our understanding this, that if we don't understand that we can approach God with confidence, we're not going to step into any of the other freedoms that we have in Christ. The Ephesians 3.12 says, In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Years ago, I got, uh, golly, it's like almost a decade ago now, it's just ridiculous, that um, I've got my pilot's license, and I can't fly right now if I wanted to, I haven't kept it current, Um, but back then, you know, I was learning, and you learn all sorts of skills, there are a lot of important skills in flying, but, uh, you know, they'll tell you, you know, you see all these little pilots with these little plaques, and they'll say, you know, flying is the second greatest thing known to man, Landing is the first, and uh, and that is so so great. No, it, it's it's a lot of fun being up there when you know you can get back down. And uh, part of getting down when you're landing, there are different parts of the landing pattern, and the last part is you're coming straight in. That's your approach because you're coming in, and approach is so important. Now I learned to fly out here at Mathis. And Mathis is a triangle of runways, nice big ones. It was built to land ginormous planes on. I flew little teeny planes, and so I had lots of room. I could have landed them sideways on some of those runways. They're just so nice and fat. And, uh, and so, but one of the blessings is, is, of course, the runways run in both directions. So you don't have three runways out at Mathis. You have six runways out at Mathis because it depends on which way you're going. And ultimately, on approach, what you want ideally is you want the wind right in your face you want it right in your face because then as you're coming in it's helping you you're able to touch down real nice and slow if the wind's going fast enough and you're in a little one of them little buzzy planes like i'm in it feels like you touch down and you're already stopped because just the wind is alone is just keeping you aloft well part of the process that they teach is that not every runway not every airport is as nice and big as mathis a lot of it, you've got one runway, and you've got, you can come at it from this direction, or you can come at it from this direction, and they teach you, and you have to learn how to do crosswind landings, so the wind isn't to your, at your favor, and you know what, we don't, 
we don't like coming in that way. Those kind of approaches are totally messed up. I hated them because you have to crab the plane and you're coming in sideways. So here's the runway, but the wind's blowing over here and you've got to run, keep it going straight. So it's like the plane's doing this. It's like uh, you watch those guys where they do those, you know, that, that crazy stuff where they make the cars go sideways, the drifting. Well, it's like drifting in the air. And you're just coming in, and then right at the last second, whoop, you make your little adjustment. And because of the circumstances, you, you feel like you're coming in all messed up. See, so many times with, with different things going on in our life, if we don't understand who we are in Christ, we're going to feel like we've got to approach God weird if the circumstances in our life are going. We're, we're going to try to sneak up on God and try to, okay, well, I'm, things aren't quite right in my life, so I've got I've to come at him kind of kind of funny and then at the last minute i go okay god i'm i'm cool with you no in christ we always have a direct approach i'm telling there's not six runways there's not 12 runways there's whatever is going on in your life you look right into christ and you've got the ideal approach that you need you don't have to try to make all of these crazy adjustments to try to come to god and kind of slip in there in christ we have direct access to god say well brand you don't know what's going on in my life it doesn't matter it's all covered in christ the thing is what we need to do is we need to make sure we approach him that we come to him ultimately the worst tragedy is to have access and to never use it for us to think that we we can't because i've got this in my life you don't know what i did last night you don't know what i did on the way to church it doesn't matter in christ we have a direct approach to God. Hebrews 4, 13 through 16 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered, laid bare before his eyes <clears throat> of him to whom we must give account. Yeah, that starts sounding the scary part of church. We've got to give an account. We do have to give an account. Therefore, <clears throat> since we have a great high priest who has gone <clears throat> through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet was without sin. Because of that, because Jesus understands where we're coming from, now we have this place that we can then, <clears throat> let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need you know when the when the winds of life aren't quite right that's when we're that's when we're in need that's when we need to approach him the most you know when we feel like everything's in order and i can just approach god whenever a lot of times you know, we need to be approaching god all the time but when we're really in need man that's when we we need to go to god the most and we have to understand that that he, we can he, he can always 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 turn to him and see we can approach god because in Christ, we have freedom from condemnation. We are free from the weight of our mistakes. We're free from that. Romans 8, 1 says, Therefore there is now, at this moment, right now, it's not there's going to be no condemnation. Oh, when we finally get to heaven, the condemnation is going to go away. We just got to deal with it here. No, it's right now. It's because of Christ. Right now, there is no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus if you're out yes you feel the weight of condemnation because the weight of your sins on you 
But when you're in Christ, there's not anymore because the weight of your sin has been dealt with. It's as easy as that. And when we understand this, it changes everything. When we understand we don't have this, when, there's this, when we understand there's this certainty with God, it changes our lives and our outcome. You go to the airport, you ever fly? Go into this big airport and you'll see there'll be two, two different kinds of people trying to travel. There will be the people who have confirmed tickets. They've got tickets, they're, they're theirs, they're on that next flight. And then there's this, this other group of people that are flying standby. And they're hoping to be able to get on the There's a seat for them. Now the folks that are sitting there and they have the confirmed tickets, they're the ones that are kicked back in the chairs. They're the ones that are relaxed. They're the ones that are watching the sad little show they got on the TV in the lobby. Those are the ones that are sitting there on their iPod catching up on their email. They're just doing all sorts of different things. Then you see the people who are on standby. There is no certainty for them. Those are the ones hanging out at the ticket counter. Well, no, is there a spot? Is there a spot? Am I good? Am I good? It's all okay. They're the ones fretting. They're the ones calling saying, ah, I may be home. I may not be home. I don't know if you need to pick me up. I don't know if I'm getting on this plane or not. It changes everything. That place of surety changes everything all of a sudden when there is this certainty and we understand that that we have this certainty because of our position in christ it changes the way we deal with everything else in our lives just this weight comes lifted off of our shoulders second corinthians 5 17 through 19 says therefore if anyone is in christ he's a new creation the old has gone the new has come all this is from god it's not from us, it's from God, who reconciled us to himself. Every other religion is about us reconciling us to God. This is about God reconciling us to himself. God did the work, it's not us. We understand that there's a work, and we get all jittery and want to do something about it when we're out of Christ. But when we're in Christ, we embrace the work he did on our behalf. He's the one that did it. And gave us now this ministry of reconciliation. I now have this certainty that I'm on the plane. And somehow, my tickets multiply in my hands. And I can, like, give other people certainty as well. All of a sudden, I can invite them on. And they don't have to be in this, this crazy place of disconnectedness. And he is, God is committed to us, this reconciliation. Verse 19, I skipped right over. It says, and God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us that message of reconciliation. So now that we've got this, this down pat, those pieces are so important that since the condemnation is gone, now we have the freedom to live the lives God has created us to really live. Now we have that freedom to really, really go after it. See, Colossians 2, 6 through 10 says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. Anybody who starts bringing something other than Christ into this thing we call Christianity 
and it becomes some other entity. It, we stay focused and stay where we are in Christ, it stays Christianity. It starts getting on something else and you branched off you in some, some other place. Don't let, he, Paul is warning them, don't let somebody, they may have great arguments, they may be able to come from this human philosophy and thinking. Protect yourself from that. Stay focused on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. You have been given fullness in Christ. Now you say, well, I don't, I don't, I'm not living in all that fullness. Well, no, because you're still learning. But you have it the whole time. I just was forced to upgrade my computer. My computer just on me. It just died on me, my hard drive. So somebody told me, well, reinstall Windows. So I went installed Windows 7. I was like, I'm going to go through this. I'm going to upgrade. So I've got it, and i got Windows 7 Ultimate. It's got everything. And, but you know what? I only use just little bits of it. I don't fully understand all of what it's capable of doing. But you know what? I have the fullness of it right now. In Christ, you have the fullness of Christ right now. You don't have to wait. You don't have to, well, one day I'm going to grow up in Christ. No, you're going to learn how to work it. You're going to learn how to live in it and appreciate it. But you've got it right now. You've got just as much of Christ as the guy who's been walking with God for 70 years. We have the fullness right now. And that, that's why we can just be so excited and start to learn things. You know what? It's I love it because there are people who learn computers by punching buttons. What does this do? What does this do? You know, I still, my first things with computers were back in the old school, where you hit the wrong thing. You know, I was learning in the seventh, eighth grade, way back in the olden days, you know. And, you know, you hit the wrong, yeah, it was Commodore 64. You hit the wrong thing, and you just, you, you messed up all sorts of stuff. You know, everybody told, okay, go, don't click that or don't go in there or don't do this well now things it's hard to bust things now you know my kids will learn stuff on the computer just because they're like hmm i wonder what this does you know what it's funny that people new believers in christ they grab this thing and they start learning and growing faster than some people have been in god a long time because they go hmm this says i can do this Let's see if this, let's do this. It says I have this. It says that, that God wants to heal me. You mean I can step into that? Oh, no, no. We've prayed for lots of people and they didn't get healed. You don't have that. Well, it says I can be healed. It says I can. Well, why can't I not? Well, the truth is the truth. We don't do it based on experience. We do it based on the truth of God's word. And we are learning and we are growing in this fullness. But we have it immediately. We have it immediately we get it all but we have to be aware of it and embrace it see colossians chapter 3 verse 3 says for you died and your life is now hidden with christ in god i so love this scripture this scripture just totally changed my own personal bible study habits now, I'm telling you, as a minister, you, there's, there's a whole set of trappings that comes. Because you can study the Bible, and you don't, have to, you don't have to teach it. It's just for yourself. But anybody who's in ministry easily falls into this place that they start studying so that they can teach. And all of a sudden, they quit growing. And I'd hit this place in my life 
where I was, it was all about, I'm going to have to share this. And I'd quit growing in my own life. It was all in to give, in to give. And somehow I wasn't eating anything that I was serving in the line. And then as I saw this scripture, it just, it just, cha- it just changed everything and began to shift everything for me. Because it says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. See, as I begin to study the scripture, as I begin to find out who Christ is and what all is there and begin to discover Christ, I'm discovering myself. I begin to find Brandon Clark. Who Brandon Clark really is exists in Christ. As I begin to see how loving and wonderful and patient Christ is, I begin to discover that in my own self. As I begin to see all of these different things in Christ, it is this journey of self-discovery. My life is hidden in there. Who I really am is in there. It's not all this other pressure of what the world's told me I should or shouldn't be. That's me in there. That's my real life. My real life is hidden there with Christ in God. And that's why it is so important that we begin, that you study the word, not just because God wants you to do it and it's your little good little Christian thing and you read your, you know, so many verses or so many chapters or so many books or whatever it is, is your measurement of being good that day. No. It's we read it because we discover all of this wonderful stuff about who God is and therefore who God has created us to be. I love the story of there was this <clears throat> these two young men that were fighting side by side in World War II. There's one the the draft for the most part knew no um, boundaries, and here is this this young guy and he's fighting next to this young man who'd come out of a very wealthy family and the father had, was an art collector and the young man had got into it as well and they had bought a number of pieces together he ends up there on the front lines these buddies become um friends and the the one who isn't the art collector is a bit of an aspiring artist and he, he liked like to draw like to paint and all that kind of stuff well as they're finding the the art collector's son is one that ends up saving the life of the aspiring artist well, a couple of years later, the, this, the, the man is grieving horribly because his son died in the war. And this young man knocks at his door and says, You don't know me, but I, I fought alongside your son, and I want to give you something. I, I, I dabble with this art, and I, I know you collect art, and this isn't a masterpiece, but I painted a picture of your son, and I wanted to give this to you. Well, this man takes this and just cherishes this picture and keeps it for, for years, puts it in a prominent place in his home with all of his other valuable pieces of artwork. Well, he was renowned for all of his pieces of art that he had. The uh, uh, old man eventually passed away, and all of these art collectors couldn't wait to come to bid to get, all, get, a, get their hands on the pieces that he had acquired. Well, they have the, begin to have the auction, and they have the auction there on the, on the grounds, and the auction begins, and the first item up for bid is this picture of this guy's son. Well, the talent that went into it wasn't that great. It wasn't a known artist, and just nobody's, nobody's bidding on this. And the auctioneer's bidding, bidding. Finally, somebody buys it <coughs> for $100. Somebody's just tired and of just this going on and just, okay, I'll, I'll bid. I'll buy $100. Nobody else bids on it. Auctioneer closes the auction 
and says, all right, thank you all for coming out today. Um, auction is over. And every, all these art collectors are just grousing. They're just mad. So, no, 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 we came to buy the masterpiece. And he said, no. So there was a clause in this man's, uh, in this man's uh, will that said, whoever bought the picture of the sun got all of it, got all of the art, got everything. And uh, that, one, that one guy ended up with everything. And that's the way it is with Christ. God had, he so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. And that when we embrace that son, when we embrace the gift that he we get everything else that the father has to offer. We try to come at it from any other angle and avoid the son and get it through any other angle. We don't have it. But as soon as we do, whether we knew we got the rest of it or not, it's still ours. Whether we knew it or not. We get, when we embrace the Son, when we embrace Jesus, we get all of it. We have such freedom in Christ that we can now pursue it. See, Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. When we come into Christ, when we come into Him, we are set free from that moment on. And just like we understand with, with all sorts of the great war cries, you know, we have our, uh, you know, we have the, with our own independence, we had the, the banners that said, don't tread on me. And with here in Texas, we've got our remember the Alamo and in all of these different things, every, everything of pursuit of freedom comes with its, with its own rally cry and ours for us to truly, truly live in the freedom that we have in Christ, our rally cry has to, to be, remember Christ. Jesus himself gave us that. See, Benjamin Franklin had one of his good buddies, was a man that not everybody knows, uh, unless you're in the preacher world, of a man named George Whitfield. And George Whitfield was probably one of the most prolific preacher ever, and preached an amazing amount of sermons and Benjamin Franklin actually became buddies with him because he had heard that he had had all of this could had heard these rumors that he had preached to 10,000 people in Wales well Ben Franklin was a man of science and he just didn't believe it and he actually went he was preaching on the court lawn there of Philadelphia and he did a scientific experiment Benjamin Franklin did and started and walked to where he couldn't hear his voice anymore discernibly and and calculated a radius and gave it two square foot per person and came that that this man was gifted with a booming voice and could easily preach to 10,000 people and in that process of dealing with him and all they became fast friends and Benjamin Franklin as the before the war even broke out he was familiar with his teachings familiar with his audience and he gave our revolution he attributed it to this man's preaching and he said he's, he said that George Whitfield has preached Christ preached freedom in Christ to the point that a revolution is inevitable that the people of uh, colonies began to understand how free they were in Christ that dealing with the human tyranny became where they could not stomach it anymore that they would take no bondage whatsoever, that a revolution was going to happen. And there were pockets of, of warriors who, as the revolution came about, that they cried, no king but King Jesus. That was part of our heritage. We have to remember 
we have to remember Christ, that it is our freedom. And we get away from him, we get away from freedom, period. On the way in, you should have grabbed a little cup. This morning, we are going to celebrate together. Because this is the, this is the act that Christ himself told us, that Jesus told us to remember. If you don't have a communion cup and you would like one, we should have some extras around here and you just kind of raise your hand up. But what we're going to do this morning, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to celebrate, we're going to remember the freedom that we have. And it's freedom that can never be taken away. Folks, I love the freedom we have in the United States. But that can be taken away. The freedom we have to assemble and worship together, I love it and we use it. But that can be taken away. But the freedom that we have in Christ, the freedom we have to approach the Father, nobody, nobody can touch that. There in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26, Paul is there writing and he says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. See, this should be an act of remembering that discovery process that we're all in. Some of you have discovered that, that Christ is a forgiver and you remember that you are forgiven in Christ. Some of you have discovered that Jesus really is, Christ really is a healer of our physical bodies. You remember that. Some of you remember that God is a restorer of relationships and you remember as you've discovered and the word of God has come alive to you of who Jesus is because he is so much to us. This is an act of remembering and taking all of that in again and not being yoked again to the slavery that tries to come in and grab at our ankles, but staying free, free in Christ. We take the bread. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the freedom that we have in Jesus. Lord, we just, we just thank you for this little wafer that represents the body that really lived, that really breathed, that really came to this earth because you love us so much, that taught and passed on those teachings to his disciples, and they've made it through the years to us. We thank you for, for, for that body that was, was whipped and pierced and broken for us, that died a death that we deserved. Lord, we thank you, and we remember that. Lord, that was the death that we deserved, and it's already been done. And we thank you for that. But Lord, we also remember this body that didn't stay dead, that physically rose from the grave, that came out of that tomb, that ever lives making intercession for us, that sits at the right hand of the Father, and that we can approach you, Papa God, not based on us, but based on your Son. We remember, and we thank you for that. That is our declaration of independence, independence from all that tries to take us down, and we are incredibly dependent upon you, Father. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. 
Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the blood that was spilled. The blood that brings atonement. Lord, that you provided yourself a lamb. And Lord, and that we stand right, not because of our ability to, to obey the rules, because we just don't. Lord, but because of Jesus' perfection. He was tempted in all ways like us, but didn't sin. And that sinless blood, that sinless death, it takes care of us. It takes care of, of our needs. And Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, that there is righteousness in this. Lord, there we are healed because of this, Lord, that we have our needs met because of all that we have in Christ, Lord, that you are our provider, you're our Father, you who sent us the Holy Spirit to guide us. We thank you, Lord, and it, had it not been for the, for the blood, none of that would have been available. Lord, we remember, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. See, life in Christ is the only life that truly exists. See, outside of Christ, this, this, this mortal existence is just a, a waiting room with an opportunity to shift into life. But it is, a, it is death already. It is death already. But in Christ, all this is, it's life already. And it is a, it is a waiting period until we get to be clothed with immortality. We're either in death or we're in life. And the only life that really exists, exists in Christ because it's in Him. We live and move and really do have our being. I'd appreciate it if everybody would close your eyes and bow your heads. I appreciate you giving me the extra time this morning. And if there's anybody here who... Uh, Needs to make their life right with God. 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 Needs to make their life right with God.